0: This week is the future inevitable, and later, the news. A lack of OBGYNs in a post-row world, some new bills for agrivoltaics, the best in climate journalism, the link between COVID and Alzheimer's, misinformation, and more. But first, I'm Quinn Emmett, and this is Important Not Important, science for people who give a shit. The newsletter features the most important science news, how to think about it, and what the hell you can do about it. Hit subscribe right now to get this newsletter and my conversations with the world's smartest people every single week. You can find the email version and links to everything at ImportantNotImportant.com or right in your show notes. It's Friday, June twenty third, two 2023. Here's your weekly action steps. Number one, our algorithms and technology are only as good as the people who make them. Empower future innovators to consider the social impact of their work with TechShift. Number two, donate to the Urban Ocean Lab, a think tank working on solutions and policies to make coastal cities climate ready. Number three, electrifying school buses reduces air pollution, immediately improving the health of kids while also reducing emissions. Tell your school board about Highland Fleets, an organization working to make electric fleets accessible for all. Number four, as climate change increases the frequency and intensity of extreme weather, emergency services are becoming overstretched. Climate resilience hubs prepare communities before, during, and after an emergency. Find yours with the interactive map from Climate Crew. And now, today's big question. So, I've got this sort of two-part Martin Luther King Jr. tweet that's been pinned to the top of my Twitter timeline, for what it's worth, since January 20th, 2020. There was a lot going on. Anyways, it says... We talk a lot about the, quote, "...moral arc of the universe bends towards justice," end quote, but that's just the setup. Another quote, "...progress never rolls in on the wheels of inevitability," end quote, is Dr. King's vital reminder that the winding road to justice is paved with hard, hard work. Now, I posted this not to be obnoxious, or not just because it's Martin Luther King Day, but over time, it's now been three years, I I find that it's helpful Still, and increasingly so, for a few reasons. Number one, as a reminder of how far we have to go and the diligent work required to get there. Number two, as a clarion call for how far we could possibly go in the years to come. And three, as a measuring stick for the past. So, how? Okay, I spent most of my time last week recording conversations with two fellas, uh, Nicholas Bloom, author of The Great American Transit Disaster, and Dr. Mark Schultz, he's the co-author of The Good Life, Lessons from the World's Longest Scientific Study of Happiness. Now, yeah, you might be saying, these are two very different books, and as expected, they were two very different conversations. So, the first book describes in, as they say, overwhelming detail, which I agree with, the myriad choices made from the late, say, 1880s to now to systematically starve public transit in America from the inside out, defunding this world-renowned system that blew Europe away, um, taking it apart city by city in favor of white flight, basically. It was a delightful, uh, infuriating, and rousing conversation. The second book provides a similar cornucopia of data, this time harvested from not only Harvard's only 90-year-old study, but from other studies and uh, methods around the world. It's then complemented with data from MRIs, to blood tests, to brains from uh, the test subjects left posthumously in a jar for later study. Crazy. So, all of that data, over 86-ish years, has been compiled, aggregated, and then analyzed to reveal the most human of scientific outcomes. It seems obvious, but it's always helpful to have all-encompassing data, is that healthy relationships underpin everything we do. And it shouldn't surprise you, we have to do a lot of work to maintain them, to nourish them. That was a conversation that reminded me how incapable we are of anything big without paying diligent attention to the day-to-day small things that carry one another. Now, what both of these books provide—and I swear to God I didn't plan it this way last week—they're both a time machine into the past. It's not us asking questions now people in the past or or whatever. Their timelines overlap, for the most part, through wars and Great Depressions and cultural and technological revolutions of every flavor. What it is, is it's page after page of real people telling us what they did and how they felt then. We ask the questions then. Quote by quote, year by year, each book's subjects tell us who they are, what they ate, where, and how they work. So in one, For example, you might have minutes from a contentious 1920 city council meeting, and another snippets from the journal of a World War II veteran recently returned home, suffering from back pain. Um, But with the long lens of history now, we can see how the details add up to paint this deeper picture of the subjects in the book and the subjects they're questioning, what they stand for, what they'll fight for. And of the choices they made on those days, and the days to follow, that gradually, eventually, not only changed the course of their own lives, but changed society. So, for example, and again, this is just an example, that same city council might have voted to rip up their unprofitable streetcar tracks and build highways through neighborhoods, condemning the remaining mostly black transit riders to a second-class experience And everyone else to a life in automobiles, which eventually became mostly trucks. Not inevitable. The result? Muscle cars and unnecessary pickup trucks, Uh, infinite parking, endless highways, um, the latter of which was romanticized in everything from Tom Petty songs to The Hunt for Red October. But it turns out, uh, because there are trade-offs to everything, that we also got a whole hell of a lot of toxic pollution and one-third of America's current greenhouse gas emissions. In the Happiness book, again, for example, that World War II vet, one of the few subjects whose identity has ever been revealed, uh, he got married, he had back surgery, he became a senator, and then a president. Three years later, he was assassinated. Five years after that, his brother was assassinated. 55 years after that, the assassinated brother's youngest son, if you're still following along, is running for president too, mostly on his family name. That guy, well, He spent a lifetime as a lawyer fighting against regulatory capture and for the environment. Great. He suffered some serious addiction problems. Uh, His second wife committed suicide. And unfortunately, he eventually pivoted into full-scale conspiracy theories about Wi-Fi and blood-brain barriers and, and 5G and vaccines. A public health tool that has saved billions of lives and been definitively proven not to cause autism. Now, does this fella have a shot? Who will he take votes away from if he gets that far? What are the consequences? Just using it as an example here, but you should obviously ask these questions of anyone running to represent you at any level. The point is, throughout history, right now, in the future, nothing is a given. Nothing is inevitable. And exhausting as it may seem, doing the work and doing it with eyes wide open is how we keep this streetcar of ours on the tracks. Now, in the half-century and more since all that shit, we've had to make a hell of a lot of big-kid decisions. There have been 15 or so presidential elections, 30-something congressional elections, God knows how many state and local ones, and our record is so-so. Companies have come and gone, and so have uh, bull markets and bear markets, stock market crashes, fashion styles, fashion fabrics, unions, uh, regulations, devices, and my ability to stay up past 8.45 p.m. Even the smallest actions and decisions have consequences, intentional or not. Nothing is inevitable, even if it seems like it when you're born or when we get there. Traffic is not inevitable. Each of us in our own car kind of pissed at each other day after day, succumbing to lost time with loved ones and raised blood pressure. And drastically healthier relationships aren't inevitable. They require the consistent choosing of one another through time spent, through real attention paid, through interests considered, missions supported. Viktor E. Frankl wrote about relationships, what they do for us and what we can do for them in, in Man's Search for Meaning 77 years ago. He said, by his love, he is enabled to see the essential traits and features in the beloved person. And even more, he sees that which is potential in him, which is not yet actualized but yet ought to be actualized. Furthermore, by his love, the loving person enables the beloved person to actualize those potentialities. By making him aware of what he can be and what he should become, he makes those potentialities come true. Action. Taking collectively, across relationships, populations, and time is what I call compound action. It's how we build a future that is vastly better for more people. That's what our ancestors did. That's how we got here. We rarely have all the information we need, but we frequently have to act anyways. Self-awareness, curiosity, a sense of justice and empathy are just as requisite as the diligence to get up every day and pick a lane and pick a fight. Now again, here we stand today right? Our problems and our successes, our choices we and our ancestors made, compounded over time. Let's take a little tour of today's landscape, where we are and where we could go. Pollution wasn't inevitable. Neither was torching a hole in the ozone layer. Once we realized how bad these were, we reduced them quite a bit. And while the ozone turnaround was a serious win we should learn from, we've obviously still got a long way to go on pollution. The good news, Now, again, we're talking about pollution, not emissions. The second you stop producing toxic air pollution, whether it's cars, factories, wood-burning stoves inside, whatever, the air gets easier to breathe. People get healthier. They stop getting sicker. They can go to school. They can go to work. Eight million people a year cannot die from it. So we got that going for us. Poverty wasn't inevitable either, and we've drastically reduced that too but there's still billions who suffer on less than a couple bucks a day. And and we know, because we've made so much damn progress, that it simply doesn't have to be this way. It's a choice. Good news is, the pressure with the climate crisis coming along and all the debt in, in lower-income countries, it's building to, to fix this, to remedy it. Food waste. Jesus Christ, food waste. Not inevitable. The bulk of it happens right at home. It's a choice we all make every day. It's gotta stop. As Matt Rogers Uh, From Mill said, imagine each of us buys five bags of groceries every week and throws away two of them. That's what we do. But food waste isn't going to stop completely. Some food will get lost in the back of our huge fridge. Way to go, America. So we need tools like Mill, and we need to compost, and we need to have green bins to to chop it up into chicken feed and to put into our gardens. Food waste is a stupid, self-defeating problem. We just have to say it out loud and, and tell ourselves that we're doing it so we can begin to fix it. As Tim Crater semi-famously wrote in Become a Thousand Memes, if you want to enjoy the rewards of being loved, you also have to submit to the mortifying ordeal of being known. That's food waste. You can substitute being loved with having a nice future. We have to take a good hard look at our little society we've got here and then do the work to get to where we need and want to go. Here's another quote from Brian Holiday. Aristotle described virtue as a kind of craft something to pursue just as one pursues the mastery of any profession or skill. He said, We become builders by building, and we become harpists by playing the harp, he writes. Similarly, then, we must become just by doing just actions. Temperate by doing temperate actions, and brave by doing brave actions. And again, that's one of Ryan Holiday's 50 books. We got to do the work every day. So what have we got? What do we need? Well, let's see. The COVID mRNA vaccines weren't inevitable, it took decades of work from people like Catalan Crico to make them safe enough for us to use, and then Kizmekia Corbett and her team had to design the one we needed, ASAP. Future incredible mRNA vaccines for the flu and malaria and maybe even cancer or HIV or whatever aren't inevitable either, but we won't know until we try, and they really won't have a dent until everyone has access to them. Cleaner indoor air obviously isn't inevitable, or COVID wouldn't have been such a train wreck. So we've now starting to set new air quality standards. That's great. Now we have to do the actual work to open windows. By the way, sometimes they're designed not to, every New York building. Hey everyone, it's Quinn, your host and the founder of Important Not Important. I'd like to take a quick minute to tell you about the INI or any whatever we're calling it these days, membership and community. It's a gathering place, really, for our most dedicated shit A place to connect and learn from one another and to have access to me outside of the newsletter and this podcast. We started it last year and it's grown to hundreds of shit-givers from all kinds, from around the globe. I'm talking about teachers and investors, students, electricians, journalists, Artists, scientists, and policymakers, and and more. Members get exclusive access to our daily news homepage, which is very cool, and to much more top-of-mind weekly articles, research and tools that you can use and to stay ahead of the game, member-sourced action steps, twice-monthly book and culture recommendations that have nothing to do with the end of the world, virtual events, and of course, the membership Slack channel. Look, so many people come to us asking, what can I do? And we think we do a pretty good job of answering that question and providing context for the answer. But the best answers and the best perspective really come from the community, a wide-ranging community. And we would love for you to be a part of it, to feel supported yourself, and to contribute to discussions and actions alike. And of course, by becoming a member, you're directly supporting our work here and ensuring that we get to keep doing it. So if you'd like to learn more, head to importantnotimportant.com. And if you're already a reader, you can just hit the upgrade button at the top. If you're not, go ahead and subscribe for free and you'll see the option to become a member at whatever level works best for you. And as always, you can always find the link to become a member right in your show notes. So thanks for listening. And as always, thanks for giving a shit. Back to the show. We have to upgrade air filters, and if we're smart, subsidize air purifiers, and all this work for schools. Clean, accessible water is not inevitable, as Flint and Jackson and so many other neighborhoods have shown. I mean, just ask the Supreme Court. We've clearly got a lot of work to do. Wealth inequality. where the top 10% of U.S. households owning 70% of the country's wealth, while a typical Black family has about one-tenth the wealth of the typical white family, none of that was inevitable. How did we get here? I mean, it's like the Great American Transit disaster. Add it together. Real estate, segregated schools, inheritance, redlining, the prison complex, marijuana arrests, voting rights, even COVID. Those are all choices, one way or another. Can something like baby bonds, compounded over time, begin to fix it? Well, the child tax credit started to, but then we stopped. So maybe let's start again. That's a choice. Historically cheap power from the sun? Not inevitable. Batteries everywhere? Not inevitable. Fusion? Not inevitable. Networked geothermal, the the coolest thing? Not inevitable. Clearly, 75,000 miles of new transmission? Not inevitable. These all take research and humans and resources and decisions and a lot of money. Forever chemicals in our clothing and food and water? Didn't have to happen. Maybe they'll start to be less so now with all of the lawsuits going on and all the research? Uh, psychedelics to help deal with PTSD. Awesome. Not inevitable. Keep pushing. Low-cost universal cancer screening. Not inevitable. A little controversial, but could be life-changing for millions. Maternal death rates, four times other wealthy countries. And twice that for black women. Declining birth rates around the world. Chalk all that up to the stellar maternal death rates to workism everywhere from America to South Korea. Abortion rights and rising costs of education and living. Insurance companies bailing on Florida and California and Louisiana. It's not inevitable, but also clearly the precursor to significantly more brittle real estate and mortgage markets. AI on your phone that can help identify a rash. Parents, are you with me? AI that helps you identify mental health trends or act as a personalized tutor. Not inevitable, not perfect. But it's going to happen soon. We're running low on penicillin. What? Not inevitable. Electrifying our buildings. Got to go faster. A lot of money there. Not inevitable. We got to do the work. Colorado River running low on water, mostly because of beef. Say it out loud. We have to have the honest conversation. We know what we have to do here. But like reducing cars. How politically possible is reducing beef? Not with the current group. Not much. Not inevitable get new people in there. A billion people with type 2 diabetes by 2050? Not inevitable, complicated. Cars, sedentary lifestyles, the Western diet, it's all part of a very complicated situation. But reducing cars, moving our bodies more, switching out meat for lentils, they're not perfect, they're not everything, but they're multi-solving levers we cannot do without at this point. Uh, a possible link between the shingles vaccination and reduced dementia risks? Fuck yeah. Maybe not even real, but we still have a ton of work to do to find out. We need you to do it. It sure as hell worth finding out. For the vast majority of our problems, remember, it didn't have to be this way. But again, great news. Because of our ancestors, many potential or historic problems aren't this way anymore. Let's build on that with compound action together. I'm a wildly imperfect parent, but if there are two lessons I can pass on, they are to practice gratitude for what we have every day and to adopt a growth mindset for everything else. Don't be afraid of throwing a yet onto any sentence. None of this incredible world we have now was promised. Nothing was inevitable, not the aches and the pains or the wonders. And neither is a radically better future for everyone. Always come back to that the relationships with people, with nature, land, and water, are the foundation upon which we get there. Just gotta do the work. And here's the news. In climate change news, number one, a coalition of environmental organizations have the solutions to scale up transmission infrastructure in an equitable way. We will see. Number two, the U.S. Treasury and IRS have released the latest updates on IRA's clean energy incentives in time for rewiring America to determine the pace which we need to electrify everything to meet climate goals. More on that soon. Number three, indigenous communities are leading the climate fight as usual, this time with the help of mapping tech to claim their land rights and stop deforestation. Number four, Climate-related startups in Africa have received $2.8 billion in funding since 2019, and I recommend you check out Climate Tech VC to see how that all looks in comparison to everything else. And lastly, congratulations uh, to all these folks. Covering Climate Now, a group we're proud to be a part of, have released the finalists for the 2023 Covering Climate Now Journalism Awards, and that honors the best coverage of climate change and climate solutions around the world. In COVID news, research may have established a link between COVID-19 and Alzheimer's. And number two, a common drug for diabetes might help prevent long COVID. In food and water news, again, agrivoltaics, a word I've pronounced correctly twice, uh, those got a boost in the Senate, which is exciting. It's a climate solution that benefits farmers, ecosystems, and the climate. Picture all those adorable photos of sheep and um, crops and solar panels. Number two, chickens in Europe are getting dosed with antibiotics critical to human health, causing growing concerns about superbugs, uh, and also, you should probably watch The Last of Us. And lastly, what happens if California's dams fail? In health and bio news, half of U.S. countries don't have an OBGYN, which is fucking unacceptable. And abortion bans and bans on abortion pills are making it all worse. Be clear, OBGYNs do not just do abortions, my God. Number two, dirty air kills more people than smoking, car crashes, or HIV-AIDS, cutting up to six years off the lives of billions of people. Coal is the worst culprit, but I believe it was this week. I'm going to get this wrong. We'll find the link for the show notes. I I think wind and solar produced more power than coal for one of the first times in the U.S. Number three, or four, whatever, endocrine-disrupting chemicals could be the reason behind the decrease in global sperm counts. And lastly, a new report is highlighting how hospitals— Can address the nursing shortage by attracting and retaining more nurses, and it's mostly just to pay them. In computer news, ICE, everybody's favorite organization, is using LexisNexis to track and gather information on people in order to make arrests for deportation. My god. Number two, what data does your smart new car have on you? Number three, if misinformation actually is increasing, what can we do about it? Number four, an algorithm designed to reduce poverty is doing a bad job. That's it for this week. Hit subscribe to get next week's issues straight to your feed. Not to go deeper, visit importantnotimportant.com. Thank you for being a part of our community, and thanks for giving a shit. Have a great weekend.